That's a groovy button. What does it say? Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Uh, Al. Number nine. Al, what are you doing? Number nine. Al, you're 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 a couple of episodes behind now. Number nine. No, no, Al, Al. Did you take the wrong pills again? I think so, man. Uh, the colors, you're flashing back. <laughs> the colors, back. groovy, man. So I know old. you liked episode number nine, but we're kind of past that now. And just for curiosity, you want to know what episode it is? Is it number nine? No, it's not number nine, but it is. Now, now do you know what number it is? Number ten. <sighs> Close. Missed it by that much. Wait, last episode was number 10, our big interview with fabulous Fred Velez. That's right. Well, this is number 11, and we're celebrating a few milestones, aren't we? Gall- is that milestones or gallstones? At my age, I think it's both. It's, it's both, yeah. <laughs> and with that bit homage to uh, Multiplication Rock, welcome to episode number 11 of the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys podcast, alongside my partner... Al, Mr. Schneider Bigley. And my partner, Alan, Mr. Babbitt Williams. We are here again. It is good to see you, my friend. It's been a little bit. It's been a while, but that uh, brings us back to our previously mentioned subject, which is our own milestone. That's right. We are at episode number 11, and we are moving forward. Is, 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 is and? A, and? And? Uh, well, no, it's... It's our one-year anniversary. We started... Oh, that's right. What, what? But you never remember our anniversary, Alan. I'm sorry, Al. It's just been so... I've been dropping hints for weeks, and you don't remember? Well, thank you, Pauline, for that wonderful... Oh, isn't that wonderful? Here we go again, folks, with the crazy voice. Couldn't you just die? That's right. No, it's it's our one-year anniversary. We started last October. They told us not to, but we did it anyway. Uh, We had some requests, but we're going to continue podcasting anyway. Thank you. No, man, it's it's great. I can't believe it's been a year. It's we started out with 22 minutes, and last what was it, an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes last time. Oh, the memories. We've grown exponentially. The memories of 22 minute podcasts. Right. Um, first of all, so, so to to reminisce, since we haven't had a chance to talk since then, I wanted to tell you, you did a great job with the interview with Fred. Thank you. Fred is an excellent storyteller, and you can tell he has a lot of stories to tell, and we've got more coming. So, um. You did a great job with that. I want to throw a quick shout out to our to the Podfather. Uh, for those of you who have not heard it yet, Zilch has celebrated 100 episodes, and it it's Nez. That's right. They, Mr. Ken Mills, our Podfather himself, actually had Michael Nesmith on a recent episode. And if you haven't heard it, go listen to it. That's right. He was hunkered down like a jackass in a hailstorm. Dot dot dot. And it was it was a very good interview. I listened to it. And uh, he, he basically, he, the thing I liked about it was he didn't go back, but you know, that's our goal is eventually to take it from start to finish with, with Nez, should we get him on here. But he did a very good job. He pointed out some of his favorite songs. Nez talked a lot about them, and they played them. So it was a really good interview. Nez was, Nez was very open. Uh, again, thanks to Nez, I now understand a lot more about Amarcord. Not just a, not, it's not just a Fellini movie title either. You use that to blow up things in the army, right? It's like the fuse that you light with the light, like Wild E. Coyote in the. Or, or is that like him flipping a, uh, the general's plane? But that's another story for another time. I got some uh, some ego hangups. Uh, eagle hangers. That too. Um, but uh, 
congratulations, Ken. You did a great job. There's been um, some very good stuff coming out. Everybody I know is gearing up for next weekend uh, to go to New Jersey to see Nez at Chiller. Been a lot of buzz about that. Uh, the one thing I wanted to point, I want to plug real quick since we're plugging stuff. Um, for those of you who are out in California and want a chance to see Mickey, uh, this is a really cool meet and greet. Not, it's going to benefit the Davy Jones uh, Equine. What do they call it again? The Equine. Something like that. The we'll DJ. Yeah, we'll look it up. Al will. Uh, oh, the Davy Jones Equine Memorial Foundation. See, and you did that without making your lips move. That's pretty. You didn't have to. You didn't have to cut net at this time. If people could just see, you know, I'm, I'm sitting on your lap like a like a ventriloquist dummy, and, and you're drinking a glass of water right now. Too. I'm the dummy. Remember, I'm the dummy. I'm always. The I'm dummy. always the dummy. But uh, this is a very special meet and greet. Not only is it benefiting Davy's, uh, the Memorial Foundation to take care of Davy's horses. Mickey's going to be joined by Talia, Sarah, Linda, his ex-wife, and the members of the band. So this is really cool. I mean, if you've ever wanted a chance to meet some of Davy's daughters, all girls, um, this is a great thing to do. And uh, I wish I could be out there. Um, but it's going to be it's for a good cause, and Mickey loves this. And hats off to Jody for coming up with these ideas. And Hats off. Is that a little tip of the hat to Mickey? Painting the bald spot, yes. Well, he, yeah. The hat never comes off. And, yeah, except at, except at uh, Georgia's wedding, it did come out. Uh, not Georgia, um, Emily's wedding, it did come off. So. It's like the uh, Ray Patterson Bigfoot film. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's right. <laughs> or, or, the, or, or there's a Pruder film of the 63 Kennedy assassination. Well, I, I don't know about that. I think uh, Hairline was assassinated there, but a sad day for all of us. A great job for Jody, not only. And, and I know the response has been very great for people sending stuff to Jody to get Nez to sign because this is going to be the only autograph opportunity he has all year. Um, talking about Jody real quick, I, I know you missed it because you were getting ready to take care of one of your uh, your uh, physical client, your uh, your training clients. That's right. Yeah, Al is also a personal trainer. What don't I do? That's right. Um, so Jody was live on Thursday morning on Facebook at the time that uh, the disappointment was revealed again. Uh, I'm not going to go into that. I riffed on it. If you want to know about that, you want to hear my thoughts, and I don't hold back, uh, go to the group page or the podcast page on Facebook and listen to me rant for three minutes about that. So I'm not going to go over that. He does not hide his feelings whatsoever, That's ladies right. and gentlemen. But um, Jody, t- we talked about a lot of things, and Jody made a very uh, a few valid points, and unfortunately I can't do some of the things that she does. It's almost now or never, guys. If you have never had the opportunity to see Mickey, Peter, or Mike. You need to get on the shtick because we don't know how long they're going to be able to keep going. Nez is working. uh, He's agreed to do one convention a year, not necessarily even in the U.S. We don't know. uh, We know Mickey's booked through the uh, Flower Power Cruise next year. Peter's finally going to be making an appearance. I know he's been working on the SSB album. So he's going to be in New York, but if if you... want to see them if you want to be able to say i got my i got my nez fix i got my mickey fix you know we got to remember they're all in their mid-70s now and as as good a health as mickey's in as good a health as peter's in after the cancer uh nez seems to be in good spirits we don't know how long it's going to be because davy went like that so never take anything for granted that's right um but yeah jody was jody was very passionate about that and um yeah, I agree with her. As much as I'd love to be able to go to Chiller next weekend, though, unfortunately, it's just not in the books. But, you know, if it happens, it happens. So, 
But uh, that pretty much catches up of anything you anything you want to bring up recently? Not really. Brought up our one year anniversary. It's mm-hmm. been a lot of fun. Thank you for your support. Um, once again, you can find us on Facebook, Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Facebook page, the group page, and the like page. Right. Somehow we. We, we, we still haven't been able to figure out how to how to <laughs> migrate the people from the like page to the group page. It's like, I, I'm, I'm literate, but only semi-literate when it comes to that stuff. So. We're over here now. That's right. Um, and lots of more people are mm-hmm. coming on the like page and participating, yeah. not just uh, commenting they're on... Yeah, they're posting right. stuff. Fred, Fred's been posting a lot lately. Right. Um, so we encourage you to join uh, the Facebook group page. We encourage you to join the like page, both of us. You know, we... We we whatever we post on the group page, we share to the to the um, to the like page and to all the groups out there. So our footprint is growing. So Al, tell them where they can find us. You can find us also online at our very own blog page, which has information about these podcasts and a way for you to hear each podcast. And that address is tpchmonkeyscast.blogspot.com. Again, that's. T-P-C-H-C monkeyscast.blogspot.com Not only can you hear each of these podcasts, all 10, all 11 now, but you will get supplemental information and photos and links dealing with the subject we talk about. For example, in last episode, the Fred Velez episode, on this page you will see Images of Fred with his book, how to order his book. Images of Fred with the monkeys, not just recently, but as far back as 1980. I'm too young to remember. You're sure not as far back as 1947? I feel like I go back that far some days. Inside info and pics about Don Steele. Uh, Monkeys! monkeys, There you go. You know I'm just setting you up for that. Thank you, Al. Information about Coco, Eddie, Eddie Munster, Butch Patrick himself. That's right. I'm, I'm overcome with... The Texas Chicken Prairie Home Companion. <laughs> yes. So much information. Uh, Al is the closest thing you can get to Andrew Sandoval without actually being Andrew Sandoval. You know, I, I think that may be on my tombstone one day. <laughs> he, he, Andrew, he was almost Andrew Sandoval. But he, was, he, was, he wasn't quite Andrew Sandoval, but he was better than Eric Leftowitz. I went to the auditions, and I was late because I had my laundry I had to do, and I just... <laughs> How long is this going to take? I got laundry right. to do, folks. All right. So there you go. Check us out all over the web. If you like us, then find us. And if you like us, there's something else you can do, right, Alan? Yes. If you would go to iTunes and pull up the podcast, if you've ever listened to it, please give us a review, good or bad, because we'd like to be able to show up on iTunes, because I think you you told me we, they had to have at least two or three reviews before we, we start showing up. So we have two, so we welcome any reviews, positive or negative, and sometimes I know... When we ramble on and I do the voices and we get off track, you guys, I can understand it. The negative reviews say, would you please tell that Alan to shut the bleep up? He talks too much. What, what podcast are you talking about? The Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys Podcast. Monkeys! Monkeys! You mean us? Monkeys. Us. We ramble? Them? Us, yeah. Them? Us. No. It's us. No, you don't ramble. I ramble for days. <laughs> well, I do encourage it and uh, sometimes please. spur it on. We're begging. Well, not quite begging, but, but... Please, do us a favor. Just give us a review or three. It would be nice. But you can find <laughs> us on iTunes. You can find us at the aforementioned spots online. Or SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Oh, it's, we're everywhere. Under Geminar is the... Geminar. G-E-M-I-N-A-R. Very good. We're everywhere. We're like the government. We're everywhere you look. We're everywhere you don't look. We're outside. We're inside. We're in your clothes dryer. We're in your thoughts. It's like Fanny Claus and 
Sandy, Sandy Claus is calling you. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. All right, that's, that's enough. That was a Ray Stevens fan, by the way. Yeah. Um, that was racist. No, Ray Stevens. Oh, okay. Yeah, everything is beautiful. Get Tarzan, Ahab the Arab. That kind, that Ray Stevens. He did a monkeys uh, parody. Mm-hmm. He did. Yes, and it was just called Monkeys Theme, I think, mm-hmm. which made yeah, it even more confusing. He did a version of Monkeys Theme. But you know I don't who, recommend it. But either. you know who my favorite version is? Yeah. My favorite version is Sir Paul. He's, have, you, have you seen the video clip? He's backstage and he's singing it. Is he getting ready to go out on stage? I think we should put it in right here. It's very short. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Sir Paul, would you mind singing us that theme song for us? What, what theme song? Whose theme song? Broom. Oh, that theme song. Hey, with the monkey. People say we're monkey around. But we're too busy singing. All right, for anyone that's still with us after all that incessant plugging. Or as Mickey once said, that's for the benefit of those of you that have tuned in late. Now, back to the show. (laughs) And we're back. That's right. So, the topic for this week, for those of you that are playing the Monkeys Lottery, the numbers are 2 and 25 because we have two things to discuss and one that we'll carry over to the next episode that are celebrating their 25th anniversary. I know I've been plugging this, and I'm sorry. I have not been able to do everything that I wanted to do to make this the proper tribute episode that it should be. So, 25th anniversary, you're talking about my wardrobe again, right? Uh, yeah, and actually, actually yeah, the uh, the Marvel t-shirts are now starting. You know, this, this actually might be worth something if they were still in the original bag. You know? I'm telling you, parachute pants are just fine for a 52-year-old man. I'm telling Can't you. Can't touch this. And the pastels, Miami Vice mm-hmm. is going to okay. come back. I'm telling you. Yeah, everything old is new again. But um, the grunge look—that's right. Yeah. That's what I'm at today. No, the fedoras are back. I've already brought the fedora. Mickey and I have brought the fedora there back. You so go. if you've ever seen, that's why I wear it in homage to Mickey, even though my hairline is better than his. In Not memory, much, but it's better. In memory of Mickey's hairline, that's he right. Wears the fedora proudly. We, we <laughs> salute. So I promised myself I wasn't going to cry. Just one episode. You get a little of a clamp. So. I'm good. I'm good. Okay, so the first one is for those of you who have seen the group page. You notice that you know that we recently purchased the Pacific Arts four CD pack, and had Nez sign it to the to the podcast. And I think he got the uh, the title right. He actually did because I because I told him I told Lyle how to Lyle Texas bless Prairie your heart. Chicken, we love you. Home companion monkeys podcast. That's right, Lyle. We love you. Thank you very much. At Video Ranch three D, you're the best. He did not pull no. a a BP around here. We call it that a Butch Patrick. Yeah, that's right. So. One of the reasons I chose that one is because it has two of my personal favorite laterness CDs, Tropical Campfires, which kind of carries into the 25th anniversary of the release of the Live at the Brit Festival show. Um, now, you were fortunate enough to actually go to Atlanta and see him live on this tour. A couple of little different things. Um, it was a different guitar player. And I don't think I don't think Red was there that night. I think this was after the I don't know if this was after the Brit Festival or before because I, if I remember correctly, Red was not playing with him at this show. I think you're correct. Um, yeah, we went down to uh, to see him. Of course, we were alerted through the fabulous Maggie McManus through Monkey Business Fanzine. Right? All hail! If, if wait, if Ken's the Podfather, see as you can I, see, I'm, <laughs> I'm holding a copy up to the mic. Al, this is actually. The December 1987 issue, Al has a comic book rack that is uh, full, chock, full of them. Chock full of stuff, and Al is going to take a picture of this, which we will post on the webpage. Very good. The picture has now been taken. Okay. There we go. Yes, um, Maggie alerted me to Mike's solo tour, and Atlanta is not that far. I live near Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, it's three and a half hours, four. Unfortunately, we had, I think, a flat tire or some kind of malfunction that 
brought us perilously close to where's my denture cream? Close to uh, being late for the show, but we so got. So it means y'all almost missed it. Yes. Okay. But a great show. Helicat. The Helicasters were the opening act. Oh really? Weren't they? Yes. No 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 oh, because no? no because if you remember that's the difference. Um, the difference between the touring show and the one that Nez did at the Brit Festival was it featured John Jorgensen on guitar. When you went, it was Billy Walker Jr. Okay. playing guitar because Billy Walker Jr. filled in uh, because he didn't really do a lot of dates with Jorgensen. I think the Brit Festival was one there might have been a few, a hand, select handful of others, but Billy Walker Jr. played the guitar for most of that tour. And you can tell I have listened to that entire, I've worn out the cassette almost. Right, because you were you were gracious enough to record it and dub me a copy. That's right. I uh, I guess now, twenty five years later, I can say I mm-hmm. I recorded. Now they may have allowed some, some places allowed recording some mm-hmm. venues, but it was a great show. Um, what do you remember most about it? I think we were all surprised. Again, pre-internet, mm-hmm. you could be surprised about things back then. That Mike did uh, Papa Jean's Blues, which you know we think well, Mike's he distanced himself from the monkey stuff. Now let me ask you this. How long did it take you to recognize that it was Papa Jean's Blues? Because if you listen to it, it took until they got right. to the, I have no... Right. We got to the chorus and it went, wait a minute, and you guys didn't recognize that right away? When he stepped to the mic. Yeah. And no heartaches. What is it? No heartache spells. No, no, no heartache. No, far, no heartache spells. I beg your pardon? No, no, no farting? No, no farting. Yeah, no, That's the no farting on the dance floor. But, but a great show. Of course, he was also going, kind of hyping uh, the newer stuff, the older stuff. And Tropical Campfires, correct? Well, I, if listening to it, the only the only new song is, is they said a lot of people. The, the most question that I get asked often is, "Nez, you're still writing?" And I said, "The answer is yes. Here it is." And he played "Moon Over the Rio Grande," but that was the only new song that he played because I don't think he'd incorporated "Last Lap Kills Lonesome" or anything like that into it yet. But uh, to me, I. I he said that he would always he, he did Papa Jean's Blues because it was actually written before the Monkees. It was written at the time of some of Shelley's Blues, um, different drum, those kind of things, in that first ten songs he wrote. So, but he, that's you know he's, that was uh, that that second song was uh, Papa Jean's Blues. The song was a Monkees tune, and he would always. But you know, I, I I admired that. But for me, the coolest thing a whole the coolest thing about the whole thing was. Um, not only uh, the, a great countryfied version of Tomorrow and Me, but uh, he started to talk about the prison, and somebody said, "Yes, prison!" He went, "Somebody yelled, prison!" He said, "I was well. I just lost my train of thought, but I am going to play a selection to the, from the prison tonight. God love you." And he played a wonderful version of Maria's thing. That was the first time I'd ever heard it. Yes, just a great show. And wasn't the idea behind it the the structure, the theme? He was covering from start to yeah. finish a lot of his selections. That's a lot. Well, I mean, that's all he does. I mean, right. with the exception of maybe he, he, if he sticks in Tapioca Tundra every now and then. But he basically plays his solo stuff with Papa Jean's Blues and something. But um, there was another thing. Um, John Hobbs uh, at that particular one, at, at the show in Atlanta did a, a really cool instrumental called Razorback. That's right. And uh, Billy Walker Jr., um, he and I think it was I don't think it was he and John that created the song. It was called "Peace and Harmony," or as Nez called it, "Peace and Harmony," which I thought was funny. You know, it's just nice to see his, his sense of humor. But yeah, it was also it was a great show. Had some great instrumentals, and it carried over to the Brit Festival, um, which was really cool because not only he didn't do uh, 
he, he didn't do uh, Maria's theme. He didn't do anything from the prison, but he incorporated Laugh Kills Lonesome and, and the greatest uh, the greatest comedy slash parody type song he's ever written is I Am Not That, which is which is also one of my favorites off of Tropical Campfires. But they did they stuck in a lot of uh, stuck in three or four of the five second concerts. Always fun. The the one I remember is that there's uh, Jaws the Knife. And then my personal favorite, there's no business like Star Wars. Right. So, but, you know, I, I'm glad I, you asked me to go, and unfortunately I couldn't go at the time because you remember my ex was, <laughs> I, I was, uh, I was umbilically corded attached to my ex. Yes. She wouldn't let me out of her sight, so. Now, I went with my friend uh, Lee Baber, mm-hmm. who's another local Monkeys fan. Yes. Now, where did I see Mike? I, did I accidentally say I saw him at the Brit? Atlanta? No. no. No, you didn't. No, you saw him in Atlanta. Uh, I think it was at City Theater maybe in Atlanta or something like I'm that. I'm looking it up now. Well, you get old and, and this kind of thing happens. Yes, it's all coming back to me. It's all coming back to me. It was the Variety Playhouse mm-hmm. in Atlanta, Georgia. Yep. So, and, and, and the crowd was, listening to the crowd in the background, The uh, um, they were very loud and they were very... Drunk. They made it up. Yeah, it could have been. They made it a point to shout out songs they wanted to hear, and Nez just kind of went, you know, it just kind of right. went here. You know, said, I can't go past 1973. No, I did hear a few Tapioca Tundras uh-huh. and the opening band, mm-hmm. one of their cheeky guitar players, mm-hmm. played the lick to Circle Sky and looked at everybody like, hey. <laughs> and then, but it's like, um, and it's like he goes, now I'm not supposed to go past 1973, but in 1974, <laughs> I wrote the, the, that was when he was going into the prison. Right. And um, well, not and technically. I mean, that, his album, The Prison. They didn't yeah. put Mike in. They didn't put Mike in prison, no. But uh, the other thing that stood out to me is, is after the show, after the performance, he came out for the encore, and it's, you guys have been a bunch of real good sports. And they start, you start playing, and you hear this one guy right beside. He he's very close to you, and then right before Nez kicks in, or is he starting to go to the guitar wires? He goes, "Carlisle Wheeling." <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> so, but yeah, but Nez was never going to play those mon- any of those monkeys. I mean, he, that's I didn't I didn't practice anything else, so that's why he did different right. drums. But he told that was a t- when he told the story that appears in um, Infinite Tuesdays, where he talks about. Randy Sparks saved him by giving him 20 bucks and then buying his publishing rights for 600 as he talks about and one night at the Troubadour I was totally broke and utterly depressed and I played this song and you know that's when Linda, that, that, it got to Linda at that, after that point but she sings a different night so that's that stuck out in my mind when I, when I came across that I said that's the night he was talking about so right. but for the Brit I mean he played not only did he use um, he played um Laugh Kills Lonesome. He played I Am Not That. I believe he did Yellow Butterfly. Um, and I believe he did Juliana. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, when you when you hear the lyrics to I Am Not That, it's just so funny. It's, it's just absolutely one of the funniest songs I've ever heard. That's not a Ray Stevens song or a Stan Freeberg. But <laughs> all in all, it was a great concert. The crowd was very receptive. And uh, he just looked at That's as happy as I've seen him look on stage. And it's Mike back at the top of his game, not just vocally, but also uh, instrumentally playing mm-hmm. guitar. Unlike a few years later, <laughs> when Mike would see, how's that for a segue? When, <laughs> it, we're so subtle with these segues. 
a few years later where Mike would do another concert tour, but not bring his guitar with him. Mm-hmm. Am I remembering correctly? I'm Armando the Newt. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. The Armando the Newt years. And we happened to find... Something we happen to find evidence of that. This is 1994. We're talking about now. Two years later, uh, somewhere in between the somewhere in between the Brit Festival and the Greg Kinnear episode, where he showed up with all the turquoise and the Hawaiian flower shirt and had a crew cut. Where Mike it, would, Mike was fond of saying, I, don't, "I hope I don't end up one of those people in New Mexico wearing turquoise belt buckles and talking about UFOs." And he did, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, he was preparing us. We are going to. I'm going to find that. We're, we're going to find that, and I'm going to get out to call a couple of clips of it that we can you know, we can offer in the future. And it's like he doesn't play guitar. He stands around and he dances and he sways. Yeah, and and the and the set list is is quite unique. Indeed, it is. But yes, that and, and uh, you have. I'm sorry. Please forgive me for interrupting you. You're welcome to add anything else there. No, it was a strange time, and I think it was Mike in his experimental attitude that he often is overcome with just trying something different artistically which is you know you gotta give him credit which is which is why we love him true so should we play it now play the clip that you have in mind uh actually would you I'd like you to play the Tomorrow and Me version because that is from the Brit Festival because that is my favorite song or actually I'll let you decide you can play the Tomorrow and Me or you can actually hear the the, do the uh, the Papa Jeans Blues get you get so people can see how long it takes people to actually recognize the song. Well, since Mike has done Papa Jean's Blues with mm-hmm. his recent Monkeys reunion yep. shows, mm-hmm. let's do Tomorrow and Me. The emptiness is too much for me to fight it While tomorrow must be met It seems that life's become this jewel That dimly gleams from its perch atop a ring That's slightly out of round Casting the reflection of some crying clown Oh, the closeness is gone Still Thank you. 
always seems Changing the complexion and the scheme of things And as the world begins to turn I feel the time has come To accept the parent loss as a battle won And so with that in mind I close my eyes and kiss your cheek Push the loneliness aside and stand on shaky feet Then re-implant the smile that never really leaves I hope you enjoyed that. That was Michael Nesmith live at the Brit Festival 1992 celebrating the 25th anniversary of the release of the CD and the video. No, wait a minute. They never did a video. Just the... Well, for live at the Brit, yeah, they, they did. did. And they I did. swear it was on PBS or a special. It might, I don't know. It might have been. Somewhere. It was or on Austin television. Or City Limits or something like that. But... I know Pacific Arts offered mm-hmm. a they video did, cassette, yes. which mm-hmm. I still have somewhere. Hey, Jody. If you're listening to this, can you can you can you tap the powers that be? Can you call Lyle down there and see if they've got any of the VHS of Live at the Brit? <laughs> that would be the next one to give away, along with that Time Rider t the Time Rider T-shirt and the t- free signed Time Rider uh, video VHS tape. You're talking to someone that went 50 miles to see Time Rider mm-hmm. Time Rider when it premiered in 1983, just to see some new monkeys related thing. thing. And you you went for the cameo like you watched the Marvel movies for the Stan Lee cameos. I got you. That Lyle Swan sure is fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, so that wraps our discussion of the 25th anniversary. Well, now we move on to the second one, which we're going to carry over hopefully into episode number 12. And that is... Another 25th anniversary? Another twi- 25th anniversary. Are you talking about my socks again? Yes, I'm talking about your socks this time. So <laughs> the Captain America socks. is like, yeah. All right, so... Um, they stand up by themselves at this point. And you remember when we first brought this up, it was, um, I teased it, and some guys said, well, there wasn't anything that happened in 1992, and the idea for this came from Ian Lee's 7A release of Listen to the Bands. Can you do that again? What did the guy say to you? He said, there wasn't anything monkeys in 1992. What the hell are you talking about? Oh, contraire, monkeys, Paul Breath. That's right. (laughs) Now... For those of you that have never heard this, there have been what three tribute albums that I'm aware that you... I'm thinking more like five, including okay. including Ian's. Ian's. Yeah. Okay, well, right now we are going to start a celebration of the very first Monkeys tribute CD that was released back in 1992, and to me, it's the best one overall. And, and that's not to take anything away from the bands that contributed to listen to the bands or any of the other any of the other compilations. Yeah. And that. When you say the best, I think that's going just well, that's by subjective. quality cuts. Well, it's subjective. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, for those of you who have never seen this, this was released by Long Play Records out of Atlanta, Georgia, which is a subsidiary of um, the label that did the B-52s. And for uh, Cornerstone, maybe? I'm not 100% sure, but I... But, yeah. So, this was released, and uh, I'm working on getting a... Um, I'm working on con- contacting the guy, the brains behind it, Jim Johnson. We've been in contact. I just have not had a chance to reach out to him to talk to him about it yet because this is a phenomenal CD. What's from- the name of it? Oh, didn't I mention it? I don't think we did. We've been teasing okay. it and teasing it. Okay. 
Well, let's see. You're you, such a tease. I know. You, you've seen the statue that th- with three chimpanzees. One says, see no evil. One says, speak no evil. So what does that leave? That leaves, um, never hold the monkey's paw the right way. <laughs> ne- never, way. never wish you could stop talking about the monkey's paw. <laughs> I wish, sometimes you wish I'd stop talking, but hey. <laughs> you want to try again? It's here, no evil. That's correct. And that is H-E-R-E, no evil. Right. This was uh, the brainchild of Jim Johnson, who actually is uh, a, phenom- a great guy. I mean, I've talked to him on Facebook a couple of times. Just a super nice guy. And this is 21 different cuts. Uh, starting everything. Uh, this I'll give you the rundown right away, just so you, just so in case you've never heard it. So uh, we will try our best to make it some of the stuff available online if you can hear it. So it's uh, the songs chosen for this particular album are "The Day We Fall in Love." Take a Giant Step, St. Matthew, Last Train to Clarksville, Pleasant Valley Sunday, uh, Valerie, which is almost which is almost a direct note for note cut, by the way. This is great. Of the TV of the version. T- the TV version, yes. Yes, mm-hmm. excellent. Uh, the Door in the Summer, Circle Sky, which is kind of uh, pays homage to the studio version that, that Mike put out on Instant Replay, or put out on the head soundtrack. And a little countryfied. Mm-hmm. Uh, you Just May Be the One, Mr. Webster, Let's Dance On. Sweet Young Thing, The Kind of Girl I Could Love, which is a fun, uh, which we'll get to eventually. Uh, what Am I Doing Hanging Around? Uh, a Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You, which has a comic book tie-in that we've discussed in the past, which we'll get to. Uh, a version of Randy Scouse get that the less said about that one is the better, but that's another. We'll, we'll get to that eventually. So, uh, Tomorrow's Gonna Be Another Day, Gonna Buy Me a Dog, Daydream Believer, The Theme, and the first song that we're going to talk about, and we're going to bring on our very first guest, who is a uh, contributor to that album, a beautiful cover of You Told Me. Now, the name of the group that created it, or that performed it, was called Multicolored House. Uh, and we will be joined momentarily by our new good friend, uh, the lead singer of Multicolored House from the Atlanta area, Natty Moss Bond. And when you say our first interview, you mean for this episode? Yeah, for this episode, yes. For, for, yeah. I seem to remember a few other interviews. Uh, uh, Mickey's bookkeeper or something? Uh, His attorney? Uh, no, Mickey's sister. That's yes. right. The one who tossed Mickey to the curb while she was talking to us. Right. Past so. episodes, look them up, listen, and enjoy. That's right. Plug. Um, but there are a couple... Of, we're going to start discussing some of the songs because one of the things that I did was I reached out to... Uh, I managed to locate some of the people uh, that were involved in this. Uh, one guy had a hard time remembering it, which is disappointing because it's my favorite cut on the whole album. <laughs> but uh, 25 years ago is a long time. There's a lot of drugs, a lot of, a lot of Dude, alcohol. Number nine. Number nine. Right. But um, I want to talk about let me, well. Let me get your overall opinion on the, on the CD first. I loved it. Now back in the day, any new Monkeys product again, the Monkeys had stopped touring three years before '89. Correct. Sir. Putting out some solo things. Mike is back on the road. He has some solo efforts out. Yep, and it's about the time that uh, that's the time that Stranger Things have happened. Mickey Dolan's put you to sleep, um, and Mickey Broadway uh, Broadway Mickey. I actually had to go to our local, now defunct record shop, Repo Records. Nope, not defunct. They're back. They're back. Yeah, well, they're... I, I beg your pardon. Yep, that's where I. That's where I got my copy the first time I went there. I actually had to go and like again, no internet back then. You ordered something. I was in the neighborhood. I stopped and asked, and I'm like, I'm the guy that ordered the monkeys uh, tribute. And the guy very snidely, the clerk, who else wants a monkeys thing? Of course, you're the guy, the one guy that ordered it. Of course, they, you know. Of course, you, were, you, you took the razzing for it, but it was, you know, yes. hey. 
but a great CD. I also had the T-shirt they offered, which was a reproduction of the cover art with mm-hmm. a monkey's, uh, uh, mo- you know, a chimp with his ears plugged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I loved it. Again, like most of these, it's hit or miss. Some really hit well. Some really fell through the cracks. My favorites were Pleasant Valley Sunday by Magna Pop. Valerie, even though again it's a note for note kind of redo by Mitch Easter. He did a fun, he did a great job on that. He really did because he played he played all the instruments on it as well. You just may be the one which Peter was a great yes Peter Holsapple, which is almost a techno mm-hmm. kind of dance kind of rave version. Mm-hmm. Some here's what gets me through songs I like by the Monkeys. I'm crazy about Sweet Young Thing by the Monkeys. Uh, here it falls flat for me. A lot of these folks it sounded like they went to the studio on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And if they and, and they did a very garage band, mm-hmm. funny I should say that, kind of version and just kind of belted it out. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But some of these songs just kind of fall flat because it sounds just like what I mentioned. It's just, let's just do this. We're done. Yeah. It's just a, hey, guys, let's put on a show. Yeah. So. Kind of Girl I Could Love by Vulgar Boatman was very mm-hmm. good. Yes. A little bit, uh, yeah. a little bit me, a little bit you by Cruisin'. Now. Do you want to yeah, do you want to say you want to save that for the next episode since we uh, we probably yes, should get yeah, because I the comic book connection you mentioned the very person who represents that comic book connection I've asked him possibly to submit to an interview so mm-hmm. we might want to save that all right we'll save that interview for. that is what you know you, I, I, I'm listening to you and you, you've got that Raymond Burr thing going Perry Mason <laughs> ladies and gentlemen of the jury <laughs> can you bring me my wheelchair please yes, but yeah um. I liked You Told Me by Multicolor House, like you mentioned. Very good. They See, I like the songs where they straddle that line. It's it's like the original, but it's, it's a tri- changed it, it, enough. Yeah, it, it, it's just enough of their ver- their take on it. And they changed it in good ways. Mm-hmm. I like <laughs> I will I will come back to that momentarily. Yes. I will come back to that phrase momentarily. I love theme from the monkeys. Mm-hmm. There are places where it gets cosmic. It gets... Uh, Far out, you know, like mm-hmm. I really like, man, like the whole far out scene. Near in, near in close by? Yes, I dig that whole, you know, far out trippy scene that the kids okay. are, are tripping to these things, man. But that's my uh, my take. You get a lot of music. These are what? 21 cuts? 21 cuts, yep. No, there's no, um, there's no uh, stinting here. It's all, everyone mm-hmm. came forth with a great effort. Mm-hmm. Some a little more than others. Yep. But it's worth uh, picking up if you can find it on eBay or... Mm-hmm. or you know a friend that's got a copy? This mm-hmm. resides next to my other Monkeys tribute uh, CDs. The, the next ones will come out, I guess, in the aughts, the mm-hmm. 2000s, and of yeah. course now with um, the recent Listen to the Bands. Yeah. So I give it to you now. What is your opinion? What was your opinion of this CD? Out of the 21 tracks, this is how I know it's a good album. There are 19 of them that I can listen to and get along and, and enjoy. Would you like to know what the two clunkers were on my night? Lay it on me, daddy Okay. The first one is the live bait version of Randy Skowski. He's is it it Slow. tries to pay homage to, to Tom Petty and Bob Dylan and it falls away. He's a wonderful lady, mine, oh mine. Why don't you cut your hair? Yeah. So I it, that one that one leaves me flat. And the Big Fish Ensemble last train to Clarksville. Take the last train to Clarksville. I mean, I give them points for being original, but it's like, no. I just I just don't see that. So. Gotta agree. Now, the, for those of you who have not heard this, you really need the, the Deacon Lunchbox sets the tone for this. Because when you, when you first mentioned mm-hmm. 
that that's even the first song that the day we fall in love is even included i'm sure a lot of people are going what but tell them why it's great because it is hilarious in the mid-1960s, I was a young was teenage a boy. boy. I was aware of the fact that the pop group Monkeys was 90% hype, but I liked them anyway. God rest anyway. his soul, Deacon. It is, it's a beautiful thing. And I've been in touch with Brian Halloran, who plays on this, and it's like, wait a minute. Um, let's see, wait a minute. Uh, what did he tell you? Okay, uh, he didn't actually. I didn't get a chance. We haven't had a chance to talk. But it is, there will be birds singing everywhere. There will be birds singing everywhere And the wind will be blowing through your heart I look into your eyes And wait for the prize Your lips kissing mine With a love that is real And we're back right, And so, you look so young um, and fair I love, again, I, I agree, and, and I'm not plugging it because Natty's coming on in a little bit to talk about it, but I love You Told Me. It's the highlight. It is. Um, Take a Giant Step, which features Jim Johnson playing on it, is great. Um, you know, uh, Mr. Webster and Richmond Boston did a great job. On it. And, and it's it's a stripped-down version, but it's very good. Um, Vulgar Boatman, Kind of Girl I Could Love. I love that. Um, I do love Mitch Easter's Valerie. Uh, Peter Holsapples, you, uh, you just may be the one. But uh, if I had to pick the one that stands out to me the most, it would be the um, it would be Larry Joe Miller and the Rockabilly Rockets. Tomorrow's going to be another day. Now, I've told you this in the past. I've, I've talked about how they should have done the Monkey's Country medley, which to me would have been what am I doing hanging around? Good, clean fun. And then kick into this rockabilly version of this, and this is the biggest disappointment because I've been in touch with Larry Jim Miller and he doesn't remember it. <laughs> so, oh boy! But that's all right. I'll get Jim Johnson talking. But it. it's it, it's almost like Elvis does the monkeys. You, you, I'm gonna pack up all the pain. And I, I, I will sing it in, uh, when I'm playing it in the car. But overall, it is a phenomenal album. Like I said, with just those two two songs that don't really connect with me. But. Um, First one I want to talk about, and we're going to play a little bit of it in a little while, is, uh, and I've got some, uh, I've got some quotes from them. And some of the people were not available for interviews, but they did manage to give me some information on this. So, um, talk about Magna Pop. You, you, what you liked about the Magna Pop uh, Pleasant Valley Sunday? Again, they leaned close to the original, but they gave it almost a, a punk rock feel too. Lots of feedback, lots of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the, the girl groups, GRRL mm-hmm. groups, and they kind of attacked it. Yeah. I liked, I liked the, uh, the, I liked the, the riff on the guitar riff, the, uh, their, their version of the guitar riff. And I also liked the drum, uh, the drum solo on it. So, or the drum backing on it. So, this is, uh, I got this from uh, Ruthie and Linda, who are the lead people, and that would be, uh, the top of my head here, and that would be uh, Linda Hopper and Ruthie Morris. Uh, Linda is the lead vocalist on the song. And he says, "Thanks for the opportunity to listen to that song. We haven't heard it in years. We did this compilation because we love the Monkees and especially Pleasant Valley, Pleasant Valley Sunday. Such strong hooks. We had just changed the name of the band to Magna Pop from Homemade Sister. Awesome name, right? So we included the dialogue bit at the end from the movie Baby Doll." This is our quote-unquote trippy version that we recorded with our friend Ed Burdell. Lots of good echo on the vocals and the great drums, which Ed did a killer job of recording. We did many sessions with Ed, and this was one of many songs we recorded with him. He, he was kind of like the fifth Magna Pop. 
and it's, you know, now, one of the things you know that I'm a stickler for, and it's one of the reasons why if one of my favorite 70s pop songs is the, um, the, um, the remake of Hooked on a Feeling by Blue Swede. Excellent. The Uga Chaka song. And the one thing I hate about it is they mang- because it's from Sweden, they mangled the lyrics of the second verse. The only, thing I, the only negative thing I can say about it is that they changed some of the lyrics. They modified it. But What do they think it was? Going down? <laughs> we should add another drink. It wouldn't be so hard to sink. Should take a time to sink. Besides, I got the picture straight. She must have had a dozen eight. Yeah, so. Take a breath. Yeah. All right, wait a minute. Now I see the life I let it slip all the way in bed and should have learned to swim instead. Now it's really got my stumped. I can't believe why I jumped the like to get my tummy pumped. I can't believe they drink this stuff in town. You're turning blue, but hey, take a little break there. Thank you, Mickey. You match your shirt. Mm-hmm. That's right. My goodness. But uh, it's a great it's a great punk girl. It's a great 90s punk girl group version of it. So, ladies and gentlemen, at this time, Magna Pop, Pleasant Valley Sunday.
Like I said earlier, I really like Peter Holsapple's version of You Just May Be The One. He's got this bouncing, big techno bass thing happening in the beginning. Right. I think I may have even used some of that in my remix. I think you did. My kind of girl. No, my version of You Just May Be The One. Um, Got some great guitar work toward the end. He kind of modernized it a bit. And, And lots of times when people cover older tunes... Two things can happen. One thing is you realize how dated the tune is and it doesn't quite, it can't quite be updated. This is a case of, my God, that tune is so well written and well structured, it works being updated for an early 90s tune mm-hmm. or a more hard rocking tune or a country tune, whatever, whatever position they sway into with these covers. Mm-hmm. And that so many of the monkey songs, whether written by Mike or Mickey or the famous, you know, uh, Brill Building guys. Mm-hmm. Lots of this, these covers serve to point out how well-constructed and durable these songs really were and are. And the great thing about I like about it is Peter's voice fits it very well. I mean, you know, it's, it matches, it just is as Mike's matches the original Monkees version, his matches, this, 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 song is, this song is good for him. Right. So, and I, we did, I did get a response from Peter, and here's what he says. I think I picked this song to do because it was one of what seemed like the very few Monkees tracks that were actually played by the band on their respective instruments. There was a live album release with You Just May Be The One on it, and it had a nice shot of Peter and his Guild Jet Star bass. I've always been obsessed with those guitars as well, so it must have been a sign to do this song, don't you think? Anyway, thanks for playing the song. I've always liked this track a lot, and I'm glad you do too. Excellent. Love it. Love it. Why don't you talk about The Kind Of Girl I Could Love? Kind of girl I could look. Oh, by the vulgar boatman. In talking to Dale Lawrence, I let him know that this was one of my. He's uh, behind the vulgar boatman. They've just released a 25th anniversary CD, which I have at home. He sent me a copy of it, and it has a redo. They redone it for this one, and it sounds fantastic. So, it was just. Um, it was, I think, more not necessarily a country version, but it was. Uh, just a more toe tapping version. The guitar, the the guitar intro in the very beginning is 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 very good, and and uh, Dale's voice also goes very well with the song. And it's just one of those you, know, you find yourself bopping to it. Girl, you look mighty good to me, you know. So very casual, and very. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's not. It, yeah, it's not, it's not really slick. Yeah, it's not really slick. It's just you know. It's, Peter having a lot of fun with it. Uh, Dale having a lot of fun with this. So I reached out to Dale, and he says, um, this is from Dale Lawrence of The Vulgar Boatman. He says, thanks for the interest. The Monkees were my earliest quote-unquote favorite band, and from time to time have been a recurring obsession. That's nice to know. Uh, the Boatmen were on tour and had a day off in Atlanta. Jim Johnson, the man behind the, the, the CD, contacted us and asked if we wanted to record a Monkey song for a compilation he was working on. Since the kind of girl I could love was always already a part of their repertoire, so that mean, you know that goes to show you how much they like the song, we said sure and did the track in about three hours. Uh, besides kind of girl I could love, the vulgar boatmen have also performed versions of Mary Mary and Look Out, Here Comes Tomorrow. By the way, our recording of kind of girl was just remastered and released as a part of a 20th anniversary edition of our first album, You and Your Sister. So the sound is noticeably better than on the tribute uh, LP, so... Dale did send that to me. I will forward it to you so you can you, know, you can use it. And at this point, we will insert that song here. Very good. <laughs> that works fine because as you were talking, of course, underneath that, I put in a bed of Kind of Girl I Could Love. Very good. 
All right, now that we've got through, we've come to the uh, final part of this initial this, this session, is it? Where the final song, our version of Twist and, Twist and Shout, where we have to scream. Never mind. I'm sorry, that's a Beatles song. I'm getting a get, Beatles story getting in the wrong, going the wrong direction. Wrong band alone. Took took that left turn to Albuquerque. So, our last one, our last song that we're going to discuss right I'm now. I'm suddenly hungry for pizza. I'm going to eat it backwards. Wrong lads. Lot to say. Thank you. We'll be off of the group and ourselves, and I hope we pass the audition. Oh, did I tell you that? I'm sorry. Sidebar, real quick, before I get back there. Did you see um, uh, on uh, Facebook and Twitter there was, or, or Instagram, there was a Paul was having a contest. I where, did. And uh, you could buy entries, and it was a it was a charity thing, and the winner got VIP trip to New York City uh, to uh, I guess Paul's performing at the Barclays Center if he hasn't already. And then you got to go to the soundtrack, and you got to sing "Get Back." And I was, you know, I had, you know dreamed. I said, you know, what I'd love to be able to do if I got that, you know, because I always loved this. And you, you, I got to remember, and I may have to re- even reach out to Chris Carter of Breakfast, Breakfast with the Beatles at Sirius to find out which version this is. But at the end of "Get Back," I would like to say, Sir Paul, do you mind if I, Paul, just just for posterity, do you mind if I say one thing? And he said, is. A lot to say. Thank you. We'll be off of the group and ourselves. And I hope we pass the audition. So that's it. I got blisters on my fingers. That's right. <sighs> Wait, wrong. Leave him. Leave him drums alone. So, all right. So that's not th- why. I, that's not why I've got blisters. You don't want to know why I've got blisters. That br- <laughs> that brings us to our final song for this portion of the tribute, and that is the uh, the "You Told Me" cover by Multicolor House with lead vocals by our guest at this time and she is a wonderful person she's fun to talk to i mean it was we it's like the time we were we were there what half hour 45 minutes and it seems like it just went like that right and she is a wonderful lady and she's my no, sorry, bad on randy scout no no randy she's a moments. wonderful lady so but it is a privilege to welcome to the texas prairie chicken home companion monkeys podcast our third interviewee, live and direct from Atlanta, it is time to welcome our new friend, Natty Moss Bond. I realized that this is the 25th anniversary of this CD, not oh, until wow. yesterday. <laughs> Didn't realize that oh until my yesterday. God, that's so crazy. It just seems like yesterday. And the funny thing about it is, most of the people that I've reached out to are yeah. surprised that I remember it. <laughs> I mean, considering all the really great people that were on that record, I was surprised that it didn't get more attention than it did. You know? Natty, this is Al Bigley. I'm Alan's podcasting partner. Thank you for agreeing to this. Oh, no worries. I love, you know, I love to do stuff like this. Excellent. You actually are near where I went to art school. I went to the Ringling School of Art and Design in the mid-80s in Sarasota. I wonder if you ever came up here and saw my band play. Probably not. The way they worked us at Ringling, there was very little time for anything except breathing and working and sleeping. Yeah. We never played down in Sarasota much. We would go further south when we would travel, you know, because there was just, there wasn't any scene in Sarasota right. other than art. And old people. No, that's yeah. Boca Raton. What are you talking about? Oh, we had old people. Sarasota is Boca. All right. <laughs> okay, well, let's go ahead and begin with our questions. We're going to let, question let, you let right now. Let me do the introduction. 
Okay. Wait, yes, we have to do an official introduction. So here oh, is okay. Alan once again. <laughs> it's amazing. This is truly a tag team partner here. That's why we do this. There but, you go. All right. So let me let me become, as Arrow says, let me become that guy for a second. Okay. Now joining us in our conversation as we discuss the 25th anniversary of the Hear No Evil Monkeys tribute CD is the our new friend, Natty Ma... Natty, take two. Beep. Beep. <laughs> Try it again. And now we welcome into the conversation as we discuss the 25th anniversary of the Hear No Evil Monkeys tribute CD. Our new friend Natty Moss Bond, who, as the lead singer of Multicolor House, provided us a great version of "You Told Me" for this wonderful CD. Natty, thank you so much for taking some time to be with us, and welcome to the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Well, thank you. Was that a dog I heard barking in the yes, background? Yes, that's, uh, that's my dog barking in the background. We have two rescue dogs here, uh, my wife and I, not me and Alan together, although there's nothing wrong with that. Um, <laughs> okay, first question. Prior to this project, had you been a Monkees fan yourself, and how did you discover them? How did I discover the Monkees? Are you kidding me? I was a, a teenage girl when they were on TV and all of my friends were in love with the monkeys. <laughs> I take it you're That's an original. That's how I discovered them. You're an original fan from the 60s. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh sure I was. Excellent. Alan is too. I discovered them in the 70s. I was a little younger. And yeah. now we're surrounded by people that all first got a first glimpse of them in the 80s, which is kind of mind-blowing. That's interesting, isn't it? It is. And they're all grown up and adults with yeah. families too. Yeah, I, I was, um, I was the kid who watched it every single time it was on. Some friends of mine who lived a block down the street from me could get it on the UHF channel, right? Like a half hour after the, you know, the original, you know, show. So I would watch it at my house, then run down to her house and watch it again. Oh, that's wild. <laughs> That is a fan. I got it. Yes. That's a fan. I remember visiting some relatives up north after I had moved to North Carolina, which is where I am now, and they had UHF up there. And one station yeah. would show a Monkey's first season episode at like 9 a.m. A different station had a second season episode at 4 p.m. So I'm like, this is heaven. Why can't we move back here? Right. Now, did you ever see them in concert back then? No, I never was able to. Two of my best friends went, and I hated them for years because of it. And um, they had really, really great stories. I think it, they went to see them in Charlotte. I'm from Asheville, North right. Carolina. And um, that's where I grew up. And I think they went to Charlotte to oh, see yeah. them. I'm sure they told you about this strange uh, guitar player named Hendrix that... Uh nobody cared about but later they they have all kinds of stories about him yeah oh god no they could have given a crap about Jimi hendrix they were in love with davy jones of course <laughs> they it, were children right well the story yeah. is everyone that i mentioned to now that i'm a monkeys fan they're like not only did hey did you know Jimi hendrix open for them but i have to hear i was there so i'm thinking more people saw hendrix open for the monkeys than were at woodstock Exactly. You know, isn't it funny how everyone was there and they noticed Jimmy and loved Jimmy back in 1967? Oh, yeah. It's so funny. Was it Des, Des uses the term Amarcord all the time? Yes. <laughs> I was there. 
I was huh? there. We call that retroactive uh, continuity. And okay. Right. Retcon, there you go. Yes. I, I wanted to be there, but I was not. Hmm. Well, how did your group come to be part of this project? Um, the, so Multicolor House was a band that I was in with my ex-husband, Sam Bond, and Sam and I were really good friends with Jim Johnson, who was in the chant and was one of the movers and shakers on this project. And the Multicolor House record, which we put out, you know, I, I'm pretty sure it was before then. I, yeah, it was before then. Um, we put it out under the DB safety net um, umbrella. And um, Jim was the one who, Jim Johnson was the one who, you know, helped us get that thing out in the world. So that's how, and I met Jim Johnson, of course, in a bar, you know, when his band was playing there and, and that they were from Miami at the time and they were playing in a bar up here in St. Pete where I live now. And so that's how I knew Jim and we just became fast friends, still are. He's one of my favorite people in the whole world. And that's how we became involved in the project. He just called me and said, hey, you guys want to do this. You just need to go re record a song. So we, there's a studio here in Tampa called Hitmakers that we did a lot of work you know, there, and so we went there and recorded You Told Me by Michael Nesmith. Well, that brings me to my next question. Was it your decision to record You Told Me, or did he say, well, here, you can, Jim oh, no. said, you can pick up any song you want, as long as it's not these that other people have recorded, or is there something special about You Told Me that, that made you want to record it? Well... I I was the one who said I want to do a Michael Nesmith song and um, because I was just at that point in my life I was a huge Michael Nesmith fan because it hadn't been very long since he had put out all that elephant part stuff and you know and of course I had been a fan of his before even elephant parts because I heard the song Joanne on the radio and was like, oh my God, that's the best song I've ever heard. And so I went and bought the record, which, you know, is what we did in the old days. Instead of downloading one song at a time, we would buy the whole record. And then, of course, I just continued to be a Michael Nesmith fan. And as much as I loved the monkeys at that point in my life, I just felt like Michael Nesmith was the one who was making more, you know, like hip, hipper music for me at the time. Nettie, are you sure you and I are not related? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking it out and I'm going, this, this, this is me. This is exactly, Nez's Nez's music is the stuff that I still turn to. I'm about a third of the way through Infinite Tuesday, I've already almost burned up the CD that I got to go along with it. So it's like I, I'm 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 experiencing a new recruit for the first time, which is very interesting. So, but yeah, that, that was that's the one thing. Nez's music has always been the one. There's taking nothing away from Peter and David and and, and Mickey, 
Right, but exactly. his songs just resonate with me consistently. I still think there's a just sidebar. There is a the original version of what he called Carlisle Wheeling's effervescent popsicle, which morphed into a song called Conversations. I guess uh-huh. that's it's on the missing. I think it's on Missing Links One. The first time I heard that, that was the most definitive love song I've ever heard. Right. If you think about it, but um. What is your favorite memory about recording, uh, doing the the actual recording of You Told Me? Oh, it's kind of evil, actually. It's it's really Ooh. kind of awful. Well, let's and take it to I, the dark side. They have cookies there, yeah, I hear. Yeah, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry to say it out loud, but we were playing with these two brothers who will remain nameless, and um, we had a falling out. We recorded the record with the two brothers, and then we had the falling out, and so in kind of a tizzy fit that I was having, you know, because I'm a girl, and girls do that, and they're allowed to do that, I got some friends of mine to come and just record over their parts. Ah. So this uh, guy named Tim Mullally, who... Mm -hmm was a really great guitar player he came and recorded over the guitar part um the and the bass part and the backing vocals three different people um so that's how you know it's a terrible terrible thing so anyway we recorded it one time and it sounded fine and then we recorded it a second time and it was amazing. <laughs> so, anyway, we kept all of the original tracks, like my vocal track, Sam's guitar track. Um, God, I can't even remember. I think Bryce Johnson was playing drums with us at the time. Mm-hmm. And so we kept all that stuff and just deleted the brothers and um, so on and so forth. So, that <laughs> is, I mean, I know it's a, Maybe that's not the greatest memory that I have of it, but the great part is, like, when we went back into the studio and how easy it fell into place and how there was a really great love for everybody that was in the studio at the time. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, so when, yeah, when we, um, when we recorded the, you know, that part again, Especially the vocals. I got to say, the vocals were um, my favorite. I had this friend named John who, you know, still my friend, and he sang the backing vocals on the record for us. And he's like, he was in a band at the time called The Catherine Wheel. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was a great local band. And then he was just a good friend of mine. We did a lot of shows with him. We traveled around the state with him and, you know, did a lot of fun stuff. And so I just got him to do it. He's a great singer. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. My last question, and then Al's got one more for you. Okay. Out of the other songs, do you have a particular favorite other than you told me of the of that particular CD that you remember? Oh, my God. That, well, you know, 
I love Mitch Easter. I love Peter Holzapple. I love the chant. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's really, really hard to pin it down. The all the people, the DB people that were on the record, like Ann Richmond Boston. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a huge fan of the swimming pool cues, mm-hmm. and so it's really very difficult for me to pin it down. But I tell you, when you first put the needle down on the record. And it starts, it be, it's magical from beginning to end. And Absolutely. So I, I mean, I can't even complain one second about any of the recording. They're all different. They're all wonderful. You know, I just, you know. I'm telling you, Al, this woman and I are related somehow because <laughs> all the ones that she rattled off are the ones that I enjoy the most now. <laughs> I have to be honest. Yeah, I, I love I love You Told Me. There's just yeah. something about the hook in Larry Joe Miller and the Rockabilly Rockets. Tomorrow's going to be another day that just grabs me. <laughs> right. <laughs> but this is this is a fantastic album. And, and, and I joked with Al. Um, the Deacon Lunchbox, uh, The Day We Fall oh in Love. God. There is. I know. That, it just breaks my heart now every time I hear it. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, just amazing. It is, and and it's the only way you could actually do that song, to be honest, because I don't know in down in down your area in Florida if you've ever heard of the John Boy and Billy Big Show. They're a morning syndicated radio program. They have a character that is the Deacon Lunchbox voice in that, and that they use all the time. So I'll I'll be driving down the road and go, there will be birds singing everywhere. <laughs> oh my uh, God, it's just amazing, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, I and like I said before, I am just so shocked that this recording didn't get more of a, you know, a you know, a notice by the media. Um we did one really great you know show we played in Atlanta at the point with a bunch of the people that were on the record and I still remember like just, I'm not scared of being on stage. I've I performed for years and years. I still am performing, and I've never been as frightened as I was. You know, had that stage fright, which is a, kind of a great feeling. It's like being on a roller coaster. You know, it's like that intensity, that that drama, that that adrenaline that you feel. You don't get it very often after you've performed thousands of times on stage. And that night, I remember thinking, oh, my God, all my heroes are in the audience. You know, just, I, how am I supposed to do this? And I probably sucked bad that night because I was so terrified. But it was just such a great feeling to be around all those like-minded wonderful people performers artists who are just you know in the same boat as me you know what i mean well they say when that fright goes away that's when you should start to worry as an artist well i still go (laughs) i still go and sing karaoke sometimes because it terrifies me and i'll pick a song you know that i don't know like by aerosmith or something oh my and just so I can get that feeling of why I'm doing this again because I feel more at home 
on stage now than I do on my couch. Excellent. You know, I mean, that's where I'm, that's where I'm happiest and that's where I am at my best. Excellent. So. Well, that leads to my next question. What are you up to okay. today? And is there any, do you have a website, anything you want to do a shout out about? Well, I am in several bands and I uh, sing backing vocals for this guy named Ronnie Elliott. I'm in his band, The Nationals, and we have like, I think 10 records out or, you know, I still say records, but you know, you I know mean, what you mean. Yeah, there, there's probably no vinyl out there, Ronnie Elliott and the Nationals. But um, you can buy all of our music on iTunes. And then I'm currently in a band called Dirty Spoons and Trash, which is with this woman named Judy Tampa. She and I sing dual vocals, you know, up front. And it's a lot of the same people who are in my other band, which is called Scully. And Scully is me, my ex-husband, Sam Bond, um, a really great bass player named Ann Van Atta, a drummer named Rob Dye, and his wife, Joanne Dye, sings backing vocals with us. And then my current boyfriend, Steve Peake, who is the keyboard player, who's really, really great. So we're working on a recording project right now. We don't have a face. We only have a Facebook page, not a website. Um, so anyway, three bands, Ronnie Elliott and the Nationals, Dirty Spoons and Trash, and Scully. And we work a lot, you know. It sounds like it. Yeah. Talk but about multitasking. I, yeah, I also am a house painter. And I'm also an artist. So I do have my own website, which is nattymossbond.com, N-A-T-T-Y-M-O-S-S-B-O-N-D.com. And it just, you know, highlights my art and all that kind of stuff. But it's how I met Ronnie Elliott was, he called, not how I met him. I, I recorded with him in the 80s on a project called the Voodoo Idols. It was a record that we did. He just produced it. And then Ronnie and called me up years later and said, hey, you want to come paint my house? And I'm also doing a recording. Can you sing backing vocals on it? Multitasking. So. <laughs> Multitasking. Talk about the ultimate two for one. <laughs> yeah, so he paid me a lot of money to... Um, paint his house but he paid me in pizza to sing on the first record so <laughs> sounds like a deal to me I'm but there. we've you know, the nationals have done a lot of stuff since then we've you know traveled all over this country all the rest of the nationals not including me have gone to europe and played i i stayed home for that trip and um but we played, you know, at South by Southwest and, you know, at a bunch of different festivals and, you know, all over the place. It's a good band. You would probably like us. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Natty, it has been a real thrill to be able to meet you and get to know you and reminisce with you about your contribution to this wonderful CD. Again, that is Natty, Mo Natty Moss Bond, N-A-T-T-Y-M-O-S-S-B-O-N-D.com. I've seen some of her work. She's very good. And it's nice to know that you're still out there living your dream and enjoying it. So thank you so very much for hanging out with us and talking about Hear No Evil. 
Oh, you're so welcome. I really appreciate that, you know, that you're doing this. And 25 years, it just seems like yesterday. Absolutely. Uh, one other thing that I want to ask, this is off, off topic. Are you still in touch with Jim a lot? Yeah, I talk to him quite a bit. Um, okay. Would you be kind enough the next time you do to let him know to check his Facebook? In? I'm not friends with him because he hasn't responded to my request yet. We really want to get him on, but yeah. my attempts to reach him have not gotten through yet. So, um, okay. if you would be next time you talk to him, if you could mention it to him, I would greatly appreciate it. Okay, I will. I um, I will. Uh, that he's, I, kind of, he's kind of an odd little duck, but you know. <laughs> He's a re- no musicians are not odd ducks never. <laughs> but listen, thank you so very much. It was great to get to meet you, and I'm looking forward to. Uh, I'll make sure that you're connected when we when we put the episode up. Okay, and I gave you my email address, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you can also just reach me through the website. Absolutely, know. and uh, right. what, like I say, I'll tag you. We'll tag you in the post in, in the group page when we when we make the episode available. Awesome. Thank you so much. Take care. Have a great day at work, Nettie. You too. Bye. Bye. Hope you enjoyed that. I think we surprised Nettie too. Like we looked her up and she's like, someone remembers this? Yeah. It's like. But obviously she had a lot of fun with it. That's probably my favorite cut off Hear No Evil. Mm -hmm. I agree. I love that bass. I love the approach. And you can tell she loves the song. I mean, that was. Because remember, she, as she said in the interview, she loved Nez. She really did. Oh, who doesn't? Come yeah, on. Of course not. That's right. We all we all like to hunker down like a jackass in a hailstorm. Dot, dot, dot. Can you say that on a podcast? I can say anything I want on a podcast. So. so if you want to look up Natty today, she is a multi-talented artist across the spectrum of the arts. She's a fine artist. She's a painter. She mm-hmm. still records. Look for her artwork at nattymossbond.com. N-A-T-T-Y-M-O-S-S-B-O-N-D.com. And if you want some additional, there's some good YouTube YouTube clips out there. She does a hell of a white rabbit. It's not white rabbit. It's somebody to love. She's, she's a very powerful voice, and she was, it was, uh, you're right. I think we blew her away, the fact that we remembered that and wanted to talk to her about it. She's a big Monkees fan. Um, but it, it was a great, it was a great start, and, uh, I'm still trying. I'm still going to track down uh, uh, Jim Johnson, the the, the uh, brains behind it, because it took him two years. I love uh, in the in the liner notes. It says, "I decided to put this to get this together this monkey's tribute one day while driving to Texas. A long two and a half years have passed since that day, but I believe it's going to be worth it." That's Jim. That's Jim Johnson. Yes. Getting back to Natty, she's got some great handmade greeting cards on her site, original art pieces. That's the interesting thing. Um, in talking to Larry Joe Miller, who did the um, kind of, I mean, uh, tomorrow is going to be another day. Larry Joe Miller is also an incredible artist. You can see him. You know, we'll we'll talk a little bit about it, but it's also Larry Joe Miller. You can find him on Facebook, and it has a link to his website. But Natty is. I, I've seen some of her work, and it's just beautiful. She's on Pinterest. Mm-hmm. Wonderful stuff. She's everywhere. She's multi-talented. She has an IMBD. Wait. IMDB page. Mm-hmm. I am not that page. No. no I am not IMDB page. Look her up on YouTube. I am not the Wallace. I am not the boss. I am not Spock. I am not the King and Queen. I am not Jack Frost. I am not the singer. I'm not 22. I am not was, were, me, and is, or you. Alan, that picture on the wall over there? Mm-hmm. That's a painting of a pipe. 
It's not a pipe. It's not a pipe. It's not a pipe. It's, it's not a pipe. It's not a pipe. That 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 is not a band. Wait, I, I, I disagree with Mike about that part. But talk about getting meta, dude. Mm-hmm. My mind has just been blown, dude. Right. And Natty is a monkeys fan who follows us on Facebook, like you should too. That's right. Ooh, hey, that may be the best segue you've ever done. I'm good for something. That's right. Three twenty one K. Careful, careful. Oh, <clears throat> Al. Uh, Here are your pills. Al, is the room spinning again? Yes, you, you blocked out again. 321JK. 321KJ Jet Set Time of the Real Don Steele. Al Bigley. I just wanted to sneak in and say I, have, I haven't appeared in this episode, so I thought I would do the Real Don Steele right now. Monkeys! It's time once again for the obligatory plugs here, so go ahead, sir. Plugs and disclaimers. Again, if you anyone listening to this who's a Monkees fan and has not heard of Zilch, the Monkees podcast, our birthing parents, our... our, our whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> our birthing yeah. podfather. That's right. Go find it now. They're on Facebook. They're on iTunes. They're everywhere. That's right. They've just, as I said, they've just celebrated their 100th episode with a great interview, in-depth interview with Nez. Some guy named Nishwash. Nishwash, yeah. Uh, Ken also does the Pop. Uh, it's called Pop. It's called Pop Podcast. And his babies, uh, his, his other baby other than the monkeys is the Kiss Cast. Kiss Cast. All about some band called Kiss, I think? Some yeah, new band? Keep It Simple Stupid? I guess. I or is that guess. supposed to be Knights and Satan Service? I don't remember. So long ago. Isn't that special? That's right. But um, also, again, as we thank the Podfather, we thank Melanie Mitchell, we thank Christine Carlson Wolf, uh, all the guys at Zilch for the support and everything. We thank our good friend and soon to be better friend, Jody Ritson, right. for all the work that she does. Um, she, if you, she is a hoot. She really is. This is. Um, this, she is so impassioned, and I think she is the one person in the world that I think all Monkey fans are envious of right now because of the work she does with Nez and with Mickey. So, and it's a lot of work, folks. It they, is. People like me. her and, and Ken and Maggie McManus in the past, they all make it look very easy. But there's a lot of work behind it. Just like there's, there's not a lot, trust me, there's not a lot of work that goes into this podcast ourselves simply because we enjoy flying by the seat of our pants. Sometimes we, sometimes we can make a hit. Sometimes we have a writing wrongs. Now let me take you to task on that. You say there's not a lot of work. You're going to get up and leave. I get hours of post-production and uh, sound effects and, no, I love it. I really um, do. I really okay. Do. To quote Emily Littell, never mind. How now, We'd like to thank the Mamas and Papas for keeping it cool. We'd like to thank the Beatles for... Wait, wait, what? We'd like to thank the Rolling Stones for being a good group. A good group, yeah. (laughs) Oh, Mike's head was a little uh, enlarged. Leave them drums alone. We'd also like to thank Fred Velez again. The fabulous Fred Velez. Daniel Sam. Alan Perry. And people like... uh, Alan (laughs) Whitnall. All right, hold on. David Levin, so many people that follow us on our page. Thank you. Keep following us. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Natty Moss Bond. Natty Moss Bond. And future possible interviewees. Because mm-hmm. we're the interviewers, right? That's yes. Right. Guest stars, surprises are coming your way. That's right. Stay tuned. Same bat time, same bat channel. Did you have to go and mention Batman? <laughs> you know what that does to me, citizen? <laughs> But as always, okay, uh, Adam, 
I'm pulling on my tights right now. Let me let me close the coffin. To, let me close the coffin lid, Adam. I put on my tights to put on the world. <laughs> As always, the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys podcast is a podcast for monkeys fans by monkeys fans. Al Bigley and Alan Williams have no connection or not tied in any way to Michael Nesmith, Mickey Goins, Peter Tork, the estate of the late David Jones, their families, Rhino Records, Andrew Sandoval, Larry Moen Curley, Abraham Lincoln, Ishka Bibble, Ishka Bob. Right, so, yes, it, it's everything that you hear is uh, the copyright refers to the original owners. We do it because we love the guys, always have, always will. And remember, oh, I forgot. Yeah, yes. Before I forget, and it, just going back to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame right there. For those there we of you, go. Like, nope. I just want to remind you, as the great work that the hashtag Induct the Monkeys group has done, I have personally created two new hashtags that I'd love you to be able to use going forward. I don't charge royalties for it. The hashtag F the R-R-H-O-F. And my personal favorite of all, hashtag F Jan Winner. That's F. J-A-N-N-W-E-N-N-E-R. And how do I know that? From 1970s issues of Daredevil, where Juan... What, Jan Winner. Jan Winner was a guest star. Yeah, Rolling Stain. Rolling Stain. Now, i got to give him credit recently. They've been... Why do you, now, and I joked about this. Is Why do you think he's selling his shares? Of, he, probably because of the fact that they started taking good saying good things about the guys. The magazine's actually up for sale. It is. That's what I'm saying. He's selling oh, yeah. it. Oh, yeah. This is all done by fans, for fans, and no other reason. No other reason, just out of a labor of love. We like to hunker down like a jackass on a hailstorm, dot, 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 and talk about our favorite foursome. You mean Reed, Sue, Ben, and Johnny? Uh, no, I was thinking more along the lines of, uh, what were the mosquitoes' names again? Bingo, Bango, Bongo, and Irving? Right. Okay. Well, until next time, this is Davy Jones. And this is Peter Tork. And Mickey Dolans. And Michael Nesmith. And Davy Jones. And uh, uh, Loxley Mendoza. And Mickey Nesmith. <laughs> saying, boom. Here we go. No, that's not what we say. We say something else. We Walking say, down the street. No, I'm, I'm, I can swear. Save the Texas Perry Chicken. <laughs> Everyone you meet. Check.